I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before I jump into this week's episode of SUP, I need to take a minute and let you know that this entire podcast is made possible by my supporters on Patreon. Each and every one of their pledges goes towards making this podcast happen week to week. Uh, Some months, it makes it happen twice a week, as is the case currently with the regular scheduled episodes happening on Thursdays and Lohan Island episodes airing on Fridays. To all my people on Patreon, thank you so much. Your support makes my life a dream, truly. I get to talk about Lindsay Lohan's Beach House and Vanderpump Rules for multiple hours a week. I honestly can't think of a better way to live life. And you guys give me this gift. If you want to get involved, it's very, very simple. All you have to do is visit www.patreon.com slash sexy unique podcast. And it is there that you will find all the information you need to become a supporter of SUP. For as little as a $1 per episode pledge, you will have access to over 60 bonus episodes, as well as recaps covering seasons one and two of Vanderpump Rules. That's a ton of content for a very reasonable price. Check it out, www.patreon.com slash sexyuniquepodcast for more details. And please check out my new store sexyuniquestore.com. You can buy Road to Sir posters, Sexy Unique podcast posters, as well as Vanderpump Rules is a show for genius stickers. They're sold out right now, but a restock is coming soon. Trust me, I hear that the demand is high for my geniuses to show off their high IQs. And I will let you guys know when stickers are back in stock. Without further ado, I give to you this week's episode of SUP. 
This is the Sexy Unique Podcast, an exploration of Vanderpump Rules. Ain't nobody got me feeling like I'm feeling you. And I'm your host, you. Lara Marie like Shane Hall. Yeah. Everybody freeze, put your hands up. We ain't about to take it easy, I hope your cake's up. London with the beach, here we go so in. Then we go with a friend, you be both win. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Unique Podcast. I'm your host, Lara, and I'm here today. Uh, it's like a technological marvel for me. I'm Skyping, or not even Skyping, but just recording with an illustrious guest, a podcast <laughs> that people have honestly been telling me about your obsession with Vanderpump Rules for a long time. So I'm excited to have you here. It's Felix Biederman, one of the co-hosts of Chapo Trap House. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Hi. Um, uh, it feels like a long time coming. I'm really happy about this like full circle moment. Um, but I want to know how did you get into Vanderpump Rules? Like, have you been on board since the beginning, or like, what's the history? Oh no, I, I have not. I, I have not been there since the beginning. I wish I, I wish I was. Uh, but you know, like so many people, I found out about it through a friend and uh the last dalliance i'd say that i had with reality tv uh do you remember when richard lawson would recap uh real housewives of new jersey on gawker do i i mean that was one of the golden ages of recaps it was they were the those were some of the funniest probably the funniest recaps of anything i ever read like yeah. just uh, incredible and that was like you know, of course, I watched uh, Jersey Shore like a lot of people, mm-hmm. but I hadn't really, I didn't really watched it in a while. But yeah, a friend turned me on to to Vanderpump Rules, and it would, it's just, it immediately transfixed me. It immediate, it just immediately uh, gripped me in this way that I hadn't been gripped in a while. It just, um, I think it's sort of a similar thing to uh the real housewives of new jersey in that they are so uniquely awful to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh it's incredible Indeed. yeah and they also think that their lives are like the best lives ever like you compared it kind of to jersey shore or you brought up jersey shore and that was like my first true reality kind of like well not i guess my first obsession but when i really was like wait this like microcosm of horrible people that are all just like down with their lives like vanderpump rules is very jersey shore adjacent i and you know i almost feel like uh with jersey shore they were a bit more self-aware a lot more i'd say actually than the cast of uh vanderpump rules i mean i who knows how much of you know, the show you see is an act. There is a pro wrestling aspect to all reality TV. But I would say um, Jersey Shore in general, the cast members seemed a lot more in on it and more aware of who they were in their lives. Whereas with the Vanderpump Rules, it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like, it's like uh, prisoners making their own society, sort of. <laughs> It doesn't seem to correspond. It's of the flies. Yeah, it, it nothing seems to correspond with the rest of the world. There are these bizarre hierarchies, and it's. I think the thrilling thing about it, and I think the thing why people love it so much is that it's incredibly insular. 
if reality TV is an escape, this is the most escapist. Not because it's the most exciting or uh, the locales or the events are the most exciting. Because they're 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 removed from the characters in the world. They're not. It's a bunch of you know SoCal people working in a restaurant slash bar, and that in and of itself does not seem that exciting. But the insularity of it, the way that it doesn't seem to correspond with the rest of the world at all how small their world and their hatreds and their schemes are uh it i think it it, there's a reason it resonates so strongly with people yeah it's like i always say it's like a mirror of society like it's very indicative of the times we live in i think vanderpump rules kind of more than any other reality show currently a hundred percent. And I think, you know, you, you you see all these wretched articles really since during the election that are like, you know, to understand Trump, we're going to go to the we're going to go to the Rust Belt and uh, talk mm-hmm. to people who voted for him. And really, it's not indicative of people who live in the Rust Belt or it's it just you're trying to attain this sort of bullshit American archetype. But I feel if you want to understand Trump and the Trump voters, you should watch this show. Yeah, because it's just, just it's all this. Yeah, it's all the smallness and meanness and, and pettiness and just pointless abuses of power. That's it. If you want to understand, that's it. This is this is American culture. It is more than who anything. Do you, who to you is the most Trumpian character on the show right now? Because I think it changes season to season. But I'd be interested to hear what your perspective is at this point in the game. It's a good question. I was actually I was thinking about this a lot last night when I was catching up. Uh, you know, I think if you made Trump watch the show and you know figure out who he is, he would definitely say he's Lisa, but mm-hmm. he, he's so not. Uh, no, he's you know he's a mix. I'd say of James Kennedy, uh, Stasi, and Jax, and just depending on like. Sometimes, like with the DACA, with the DACA uh, dangling the dangling the carrot, kind of, it's like he has the cruelness of a James Kennedy. Or mm-hmm. sometimes I think about Jax. Uh, sorry, the the guy's name is escaping me for a second. When Jax uh, just revealed that guy had an affair for no reason, uh, the guy with the boogie board. Shit, I had his name written down because I'm I'm awful with names. But um, Tom Schwartz, I think yes, y- yeah. He said that he like hooked up with a girl in Vegas. Yeah, that's so. That's very just pointless to throwing someone under the bus. But Stasi, he also has a lot of Stasi in him. Just the constant threats and bel- <laughs> belittling people and liking to toy with people he's a he's a mix and depending on what day you get him he's one of those three but mostly just a, a a mix yeah that's so true and like the recent temper tantrums are very like james kennedy like negotiating or attempting to negotiate but when his demands aren't met just like storming out of the room it's also kind of Jack's from last season when he like flipped everyone off and ran out of the restaurant and like punched a phone. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't like I think that he would like to be Jack's, but he's just he doesn't you know, there are many types of uh stupid guys in America. We have a, a wide variety of uh types of stupid men. And Donald Trump, I think a lot of his voters fit the uh fit the Jack's mold. 
but he is he is a James Kennedy. He's a messy bitch at the end of the day. Not that Jax <laughs> isn't, but you know. But James is messier for sure. One of the messiest characters I have ever seen on reality yeah. TV. Ever. He he can't help himself. Like you can you don't even see him having awareness in the moment of his messiness that like shit's unraveling and he needs to reel it in. Like he just like it's like splat immediately. So okay, so you know when uh, he did the thing where he's he's freestyling and uh, and he says you know who remember yeah he makes Britney- everybody remember when Jack's fucked Faith yeah, yeah 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 and he makes Britney cry and when he's talking about it not with Jack's around he's like I will ne- I will never back down from anything I do do you think Kanye apologizes I'm the white Kanye. You'll never get me. I'm an artist. I'm creative. And then the moment Jax confronts him, he's like, look, man, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not easy being me. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> just, that's so Trump. That's so yeah. Trump. Like, is- just instantly backing down. Instantly, like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a disaster. And that, that is a great scene because the moment that uh, Jax walks away, when he's positive Jax is looking at him, he's like, Bye bye now. And Trump literally does that. Trump yeah. literally. Have you seen like at his rallies when they throw someone out? He's like, yeah, bye bye, go home to mommy. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so he's, he's perfect. Yeah. yeah. God, you're so right. I never ever thought that. Like when my was when I was trying to think of like who is Trump, I was thinking like going to like Katie or someone because I'm. Not, I could like, see that. Yeah, like there's shades of Katie and Donald Trump, but like this James as Donald Trump is really blowing my mind. It really didn't hit me until recently. I mean, he, yeah, he's just, there. there is an unpredictability to him that I don't think any of the other characters have. Like the other, you can, you can figure out what they're going to do, but he's yeah. just, it's like, how is he going to be awful in this situation? And that's, that's the president, you know. How totally. how is he gonna how how is he gonna be enervating and uh, cowardly, <laughs> just for no reason seemingly? God, if only like Donald Trump was uh, as attractive as the cast of Vanderpump Rules, like maybe he wouldn't just be so awful. Well, I think that should show. I mean, like James Kennedy, an attractive guy, but just still a rotten soul. I you know yeah. I've. Uh, I have thought I mean, that- everyone on this show is like pretty much a demon at this point, like <laughs> inside and out. But like, at least they're like West Hollywood hot, like reality star hot. Like Donald Trump won't has never even tried to be hot, and that's honestly offensive. Well, he thinks he like thinks he is, or he did at some point, which yeah. is incredible. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that the only redeemable character maybe is Peter. Now that I think about it, the closest one. Peter is just like hardworking America. You know what I mean? Like he's there, <laughs> the Rust Belt non-voter. Yeah, he is the Rust Belt. He's just like go showing up, clocking in every day, making sure Sir is running as planned and just like doing his job. And everyone else is like a nightmare. Okay, so if, yeah, if there, there's just like a positive Trump, Peter would be like what people pretended John Kelly and uh, H.R. McMaster's were. He was the general, <laughs> keeping everything in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I guess, I don't know where that puts Lisa. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 this is... She's it, not American, so we don't even need to... That's like, true. Really that's worry true. About it. 
Yeah, she's just like Great Britain. I guess that's the thing that's so incredible about it to me is that if you remove Lisa Vanderpump from this context, you would be like, you know, you go like, what the fuck? This is a a stupid thing to call a restaurant, sexy, unique restaurant. Why do you, you know, why do you have this dog that you dress up? Why do you, you would think this is a ridiculous person. But in the, in the context of uh, Jax Taller and Stasi Schroeder and James Kennedy, and you're like, this person has their shit together so much. And I, I, you know, again, analogous to our, the world we live in, isn't that just any time Trump meets with, like, most foreign leaders, that's how we feel? Someone who removed from, like, Theresa May a, uh, has done a soundly awful job. Mm-hmm. But people are like, oh, well, you know, at least you don't – she's not glaring directly into the sun. She's really just got it together. Yeah. It's like it, everyone compared to Trump, you're like – everyone else is like, well, it could be worse. We could have him. Yeah. And I and I think there's another lesson in there that, you know, you can equivocate too much. At some point, you have to pull back and see it all is ridiculous a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, America is like a big reality show now. Like, I mean, that's where things were moving, I think, at the start of, like, his run for presidency. And then now it truly is just like... It's like a unraveling show every single day. I think, you know, I think we've been going in that direction for quite some time, but I think uh, the the type of reality sort of corresponds with the era. So, of course, not a perfect one-to-one uh, match because Vanderpump started under Obama. But, okay, let's look at the reality metagame of the Bush era. It, it was uh, hyper-dramatized, hy- like always music telling you what to feel there was still sort of a hero's journey narrative arc to every reality show and it was all about it was it was straussian actually it was about uh you know just everyday americans trying to accomplish some incredible task Mm -hmm. to you know to to show what americans are made of to have this purpose that gives meaning so we don't become too soft by the excesses of liberal democracy and that was survivor and so many other things and it was perfect lots of and lots of reality shows too like i'm thinking back to like celebrity rehab like flavor of love rock of love and it's all about like trying to overcome as you were saying and like win the grand prize which is like dating Flava Flav or like Brett Michaels but still like things shifted in Obama era where it was like oh now we're gonna study these certain groups of people and see how fucking ridiculous and stupid they are and I feel like that like headspace definitely bled into politics just as far as like when Trump is running you're like oh my god he's such an idiot like he'll never win this election and then, lo and behold. It's ex- exact, yes. Wow. The, 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 the thing with the Bush reality shows is like, it's like, do you remember that period? I mean, it still goes on, but I think it was hyper. It was a huge thing under Bush where every like wacky, you know, comedy, the moral arc of it was that someone didn't get an abortion. That's what the movie Knocked Up is, the supposedly, you know, crazy Judd Apatow comedy. She doesn't get an abortion. Just this totally fine, okay thing to do that millions of people do. Just no, no one ever got an abortion in those movies during the Bush years. 
Yeah, and it wasn't it, even like an option or like spoken about. It was like, oh, that's just not happening. You know, people always talk about uh, how much culture affects politics, but really, I yeah, I sometimes believe that it's. I don't think it's a one to one. I don't think it's a binary choice, but I think often the politics affects culture and people in ways that makers of culture don't realize it's happening. And I think that affected. Uh, you see that in the culture during the Bush years, like that, and like the reality shows. It was like, all right, you know, this is a fucking idiotic, craven spectacle that we're actually doing because this is so big now because of a labor dispute, because we don't want to pay uh, screenwriters more. We're going to have uh, more reality TV, but we're going to make it noble because, oh, yeah, these Dr. Drew is going to fix these people's drug addictions or the, these people are going to find love. And it was just as fraudulent as uh, faith-based initiatives or this uh, defensive marriage by the right as a wedge uh, attempted wedge issue at that time. Uh, but with Obama, something weird happened from Obama to Trump in that metagame, I think, in that something started a little postmodern and then became completely straight up. I think that reality under Obama, it sort of started with Jersey Shore, and it was for the first time, really, in America, this understood thing of like, these people are absolutely ridiculous. Let's look at them. We know this is absurd. It's funny. We're laughing at these people. And but they create a culture, too. Like, they yes. have their own like language, and then you make fun of it, but you adopt it. And like, it was the first time I really truly got obsessed with people from a reality TV show. Like I remember like Jersey Shore, I went out and found like I considered them to be celebrities. They were my Brangelina. Like I went and stalked them, found them at like a Hollywood nightclub. And it was like, next level for me. You were there? You were there with them? They would come to LA a lot. Like, in the very beginning, like right when the show started and it hadn't really like blown up yet. Cause I think it took like a few weeks for everyone to kind of catch on, but I was like in it to win it from day one. And so they'd come to LA and tweet out where they were going to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause like no one really cared about them or like followed them, but me and my friends who like friended them on Facebook and like got in on the ground level. And then one weekend we just like when I left work on a Friday and I was like this weekend I'm in a fine situation I'm gonna take a photo kissing him on the cheek like I'll see you guys <laughs> on Monday and then Saturday night went out like by the powers of social media found out where they were like sweet talked my way into a club right at last call and like got the photo but yeah that's yeah. incredible I mean that it's that was unthinkable in the Bush era of yeah. re, as the culture became more interactive. Yeah. Because there was like the only time you'd hear about the reality stars outside of the context of their show would be if they had just done something comically inept and stupid like John and Kate or, uh, though I could be getting this wrong. Am I getting this wrong? Was that under the early years of Obama? Am I screwing I up my chronology? I, well, I don't know. They were really together. engaged, yeah, with John and Kate. Like they were, but they were also on that different level of reality type yeah. of stars that were like, you don't want to hang out with them. Like you might yeah. want to watch them, but you wouldn't want to be around them. Well, they they may have been like the last reality stars, light as they in that mold, because everyone yeah, like after that was just out. Yeah. yeah. The last trad reality stars, and we saw how that went. But it, like, crash and burn. They did, like, kind of shift from these people trying to do a noble thing, which was, like, raise eight 
children. It actually is not, not <laughs> this that This is not noble at all. It's so bush. It's a huge waste. <laughs> um, and then turned into those people that are just like sad. We make fun of them, like how crazy they are and like their sad relationship, blah, blah, blah. But then everything we make fun of John for and Kate, we are gripped when Stasi or Jax or, or or anyone on Jersey Shore, any of them do it because they are sold to they are sold to us as that. There's no they're immediately the first time we see them, they are sold to us as ridiculous people who do completely amoral things. It is interesting though, right? Like it we start out as let's look at these ridiculous people and then not only does that become the culture, we are all the ridiculous people. All of us. Yeah. We we are mm-hmm. we are we are in the beach house. We are always in the we're in the sexy unique country. Always. <laughs> we can't escape it we are at any time. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean so the you know the president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, he was like in Brazilian right wing politics, he was like Jax Taylor. Sort of, or James Kennedy. Mm-hmm. They would just have him on like news panel shows and he would just say ridiculous, insane shit. He literally got on there. He literally got on one show and took a polygraph test and talked about fucking farm animals when he was an adolescent. <laughs> no reason. And now he's president. And it's just like you can, you could think that you're in on the joke or that. You know, you'll never get consumed by the spectacle. But if conditions keep deteriorating around you, you will you will just take the form of the spectacle. I think. Yeah. And that's what happened to us. Yeah, it's interesting now too with Vanderpump Rules because I feel like there's been a shift, and that like the cast is like legitimately they're like famous like reality TV stars now. Like they have money, they have influence and power like i feel like this season more than ever they're really like in charge of the way they're being portrayed on camera and in charge of their storylines in ways that they weren't able to have like agency over in the past and i don't like it quite frankly it is a lot duller right i was noticing that It, it, it i was noticing that this season i don't unless there is some great resting of power by the producers from the stars i don't think we'll see another thing like the vegas storyline ever again yeah or even like last season was still wild like when jacks admitted that he fucked faith and like the whole yes. way that they had had sex was revealed like in front of that like dying hospice patient or whatnot that she was like caring for like i feel like that was the final swan song of like true vanderpump behavior and now we're getting like we're gonna have to like really read between the lines for the rest of time to figure out what's going on i don't know i completely agree i was uh i was thinking about it i was uh, i i i was thinking about like well you just you just by process of deduction you have to figure uh jax is cheating currently cheating on britney probably as we speak oh yeah in some way or the other hundred percent if you had to make an assumption, I, it's either a yes or no choice. You're going to assume, uh, yes, he is. But in its current form, would we know that? And I'm, you know, I I would like everyone to be happy. Brittany seems like actually a very nice person. But for the purposes of watching, if we assume he is doing this, we would like to see it play out similar to last season and every time before that. But 
I it just yeah, it seems like they are being portrayed in exactly as the the way they want. Stasi alone, it's just like it, it, there's such a tonal shift in her scenes from yeah. being sort of uh psycho and 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 uh very controlling and sort of taking pleasure in uh executing power on others in their very small hierarchy too. Someone who's, you know, she's just trying to keep James in line. She's trying to keep everyone happy. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just people do get older. Maybe you do change your behavior if you see it reflected on TV and millions of people watch it. But I am generally pessimistic about how much people can change. So I I, I think it just, I think it just, you know, they got more control over how they look. You're right. Yeah. And I wonder too, like to bring it back to like, the Trump era of it all is like, cause we're still early in like the Trump era. I feel like with in, yes. as far as like reality television and like pop culture is concerned. And part of the joy of Vanderpump rules is like seeing these ridiculous people like basically get trolled by their job, which is like being on TV because they just look like idiots all the time. And you're just like, Oh my God, these people are so insane, but I love it. And they're like, they're not necessarily held accountable for their actions, like from a consequences standpoint, but they are from like the fact that they're just exposed on air. But when they're not anymore, like is that the era that we're moving into where people just act crazy and no one even like tries to like troll them or expose them? Cause I feel like we're being fed this line, like Jax has changed. Saucy has changed. Like everyone's friends now. And like, that's what that's that. And like, we know that that can't be true yet. Like we're just going to be told over and over that it is. I think that there's an ebb and flow with that, both in, in politics and entertainment now, because uh, we're, we all have two desires, I think. And one is to feel normal and one is to feel excited. And there is like, there is you you can't underestimate the feeling within people how badly they want everything to feel normal which i understand a great deal uh why someone why that would be their number one priority of course i think there are priorities over just feeling normal uh and alongside it but i get it and uh i think with with this maybe maybe Vander, the world of Sir is responding to that desire for norms to return, for things to be regular again, for there to be repercussions for actions, uh, for there to be condemnations and uh, temporary exclusions. Uh, it's kind of actually similar to when, you know, there's a State of the Union or there's a presidential address. Or it's uh, whatever outrageous you know, right-wing newly elected leader. Oh, they're going to Davos. What are they going to say? What are they going to say? Oh, my God. Are they going to say that? You know, are they going to say that absurd thing that they said in that interview? Or are they going to back that up? And they just they, – they go. Trump goes. Bolsonaro go, goes. Renzi goes. Whoever goes. And it just – it's the same as if anyone else did it, right? Because for all – all our breakings of norms that really excite us. There is a desire by everyone to feel normal. And in the end, for the form eventually wins out the, the parts of the norm 
not the ones that make you feel normal, but the one the 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 ones that make the people above you feel normal. Those are more important. And you're gonna get you're gonna get around the margins some more ridiculous behavior, and you're gonna get some more things that made you notice in the first place. But it's gonna keep going back to that. So you get both the lack of excitement and you get the the continued awfulness that existed before it. I could talk about this forever and just relating Vanderbump rules back to like the current state of the world. But I feel like we should get into this week's episode because there's yeah, I, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I feel like people, I feel like people are going to get mad at me. It's going to be like when, you know, people tell people who make Harry Potter references, read a different show, people are, or read a different book. They're going to tell me to watch a different show. If I keep doing this. <laughs> okay. So this episode starts out with uh, Sir hosting Brunch with Billy Lee. And I just like was internally feeling like woof at the thought of eating brunch at Sir. Have you ever, have you ever been <laughs> to any of the Vanderpump restaurants? I wish. I wish. Uh, the last time I was in LA, I didn't watch yet, but I, uh, at this point, I have to I have to know five people who have gone to Sir. I at least at least. But I I would like next time I'm there, I'm going to do it. Yes, you have to like pop your Sir Cherry. I mean, I think you should just do like a walkthrough of that and like a walkthrough of Pump, but then eat at Tom Tom because that truly is like that's the real gem of like the Vanderpump. Tom, yeah, Tom Tom seems to be. It's if if Sir is Great Britain, Tom Tom is the thirteen colonies. <laughs> exactly, but like Sir's food is just like terrible. Like I've never <laughs> had a good meal there ever, and I've eaten there enough times to have like maybe by default had one delicious thing, and it's just like not happening. So the thought of them like introducing eggs to the mix is really like unsettling. Oh, that sounds that sounds oh yeah that that could go horribly wrong how many times have you eaten it sir um i've probably eaten it sir like five or six times holy shit yeah and then pump like even more than that and currently my count of tom tom i'm like i should maybe be embarrassed to say this but i don't know it's i've eaten there eight times (laughs) holy shit (laughs) <laughs> i feel like i love like tom tom is my favorite restaurant i don't know i guess it is just by default is the quality better yes like d- it definitely goes back and forth like the last time i was there i ordered the same cocktail but got different variations of it each time it was like delivered to the table so certain things like that remain very consistent where it's like you never know what you're really going to get. But there are items on the menu that I like crave. Like they have these like buffalo, like spicy cauliflower buffalo wings that taste just like a, it's like an orange. It's like a buffalo wing fried with like an orange chicken or like a sesame glaze. It's delicious. All right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, why is it better? Um, Why is the food better? Or why is. Yeah. Why do you. Why do you. Better? Yeah. Why do you think like. Why do you think the food is better than Sir? Because this always it interests me why Sir is so bad. Because that's what I consistently hear about it. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't know. That's a great question. But just like I don't know if they have like a real chef this time around or what. Like I'm really unclear on why one restaurant would be better. Because I would assume that they're getting the same like food provider or like 
wholesaler or whatever however the fuck they buy their food i doubt it's like farm to table like i'm sure that person whoever it is delivers to all three restaurants because they're on the same block as each other so i don't know why one's food would be better than the others yeah it it defies reason yeah there's a lot of mysterious things about like lisa vanderpump's restaurant career and like these restaurants she's like yeah i cannot get a beat on her She's definitely someone who benefits from the people around her being the way that they are. That is yeah. the biggest thing with her. Like, cause yeah. you know, if they weren't, you'd be, you'd be going, what the fuck is up with this person? I know. And there's one, there's a moment in this episode where she's like, if I based every decision on money, Jax Taylor wouldn't be here. And it's like, no, that's a lie. Like you are, do base everything on money. And that's why Jax is like in your world and in your universe. Yeah. Yeah. Jax was, yeah. Jax is like, well, they can't, they can't break character. They have to pretend that they're just running around. That's the funniest thing about it. And that's what makes it the most like our politics is that they're pretending they're just running a restaurant. That's it. Nothing else. They can't, they can't, uh, they can't uh, break the fourth wall. But it's like, yeah, Jax was, I mean, for me, Jax is the character that sucked me in. He yeah. was just, he's just so, there's like a type of completely amoral liar who thinks that they're a, a lot smarter than they are. That is so, I've been trying to capture for so many years and it, it just enamors so many people. And he's the most perfect version of it I've seen on reality TV. He's the perfect guy, and his life is such a – the way he makes decisions and justifies them is – it's unmatched in the genre right now. Yeah. He's the number one guy in the group for – Yes. <laughs> he was right when he said that. He was – that's such a Trump thing where you say something – it's like when he says something that's just so fucking ridiculous, but it's like technically – the once in a while he says something that's like technically right. You're like, oh, well, okay. I guess in one way of interpreting. Yeah. And I love like you can see the wheels turning in his head like as things are happening, like all just through his like eye movements and stuff. And like watching him just like process life is truly fascinating. I think if I could save any moment ever, it would be the reunion uh, season six when they just the moment they ask him what he thinks of the Me Too movement. <laughs> I wish I could save that for it. I wish I wish I could set an alarm clock to the every morning I wake up. It's that. You could make it you could make it like a ringtone or a text <laughs> message tone for sure. Cuz I forgot what he even said cuz it was honestly just like so fun. I was just like, "Oh my god, I can't." <laughs> or when they asked him what it, about Nelson Mandela, whoever was in charge of writing those questions, my god, yeah. that person needs a fucking award. Yeah, props. I mean, Vanderpump is like, it needs to start being nominated for, it might have like, it might be too late because it's not as good as past seasons, but like, it definitely is deserving of like Emmy nominations and like Golden Globe nominations. So yeah, it would be Catherine Bigelow as a director, (laughs) maybe the best at like filming the human condition, showing it through lighting and framing, just get it giving that feeling uh david chase maybe the best tv writer ever in writing the human condition but vanderpump the greatest at showing you it exactly they're in that they're in that pantheon (laughs) 
<laughs> I like that you put it on par with Sopranos because I'm like watching Sopranos for the first time, like doing a huge binge. And I'm just truly like this and Vanderpump Rules are just the pinnacle of television for me. You've never seen. Oh, I'm I'm jealous of you. I think I'm on rewatch number five. I'm in the midst of it. it it's but it's that's it's interesting you bring it up because I think that, uh, you know, America is a very unusual optimist uh, unusually optimistic pop culture outside of like you know a totalitarian uh government where the government controls every bit of media and it's just it's just about how great it is to be there and it's about historical national heroes and everything we're just we're just so positive you look at our biggest movies they're all superhero movies about you know how great it is to be friends and believe in yourself and all our all our uh, sitcoms are just about you know people figuring it out, uh, except our big thing. Real, it's our reality is it's on par with like British comedy or something else. It's incredibly pessimistic, and it's closer to The Sopranos than like you know fucking How I Met Your Mother or something. It's so okay. it's so about uh, about like the cruelness and transactionalism of human experience. Uh, it is. It's a lot like The Sopranos. I mean, yeah, this it is, is. Yeah, it's dark and nuanced, and you feel like you know these people so well. Like you can tell what they're thinking and feeling at any given time. Like I feel like I know the cast of Vanderpump Rules better than they know themselves. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, you do because I don't feel like they have a they have a very diluted uh, image of themselves, exactly. except for like maybe like, like such a huge claim actually. Because now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well, probably anyone that watches this show knows them better than they know themselves, except for Ariana. Maybe that's it. Yeah, Ariana remains an eternal mystery. She seems like a cool person to me. She is cool, and she's. I feel like uh, in regards to the show, she's kind of played her cards right because like she's like. If she wanted to be a actress after all this is said and done, I truly believe that she could be one because it's like we just don't know that much about her personal life. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, like everyone else is like I could never see Sheena or Lala for that matter as anyone but Sheena or Lala. Yeah, no, they're all she's the only one who could make it out of purgatory. Oh yeah, but the episode. The episode. I'm sorry, I keep derailing us. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Um, James shows up to brunch to say hi to Billy Lee, and he came to support her for her brunch. What a noble friend! Good for good for James. I'm sure that yeah, you know, no ulterior motive, nothing weird going on here. Just above board as always. And I love that he's like constantly reminding everyone of how he's sober when it's been now like 11 days like it's it's (laughs) he's like no no drinks to me like just iced tea sober still can you believe and then like says very (laughs) awkward hello to billy and then is gone it's like james we got your number like we know like it's it's not the jig isn't up yet you know what i mean like as soon as he was gonna get his jaw back he's gonna start drinking again well i love i love um just like he's such a goblin and it's just like you see you really see the gears turn in his head because he's like oh if i just make a big show of how i'm not drinking people are gonna go oh all the bad stuff james has done was because he was drunk and if i just don't drink they'll be like oh james is great but he's still like awful (laughs) he still fucking sucks 
He's still a terrible guy, so it's not working like he thinks it would. It kind of works for me because I truly like I have more sympathy for James than just like writing him off as like a bad guy. Like I feel like his life is very like dark and sad and he has a lot of demons and like his alcoholism slash potential drug addictions like make it much worse. But I just he's so like he wants to be included and like accepted so badly. I think more kind of than anyone else on the show. He's like, he's that like, it shows how young he is compared to everyone else because, you know, I'd say the closest in previous behavior to James would be Jax. And, but Jax was always like, he would just, he was always ready to justify his action. Always like, yeah, what do you want? You know, like, how could you do that to your best friend? I wouldn't really call him a friend. Just instantly, he's got that thing. He, there's a gift. Uh, only a small percentage of the population has this gift. I've talked about it before. The ability to never feel embarrassed. And yeah. it is amazing how far you can get in life if you just have that quality. Because you can just do anything. You'll be like, yeah, I was right. Or like, I never did that. Or that never – just keep – you. it's amazing – People are so self-involved and have to worry about themselves so much. If you just plow through and you're like, yeah, whatever, you can accomplish nearly anything in a small scale. But James pretends he has that, but he doesn't. He's incredibly self-conscious. He's in, Oh, so self-conscious. He, he And he wants that Kanye thing because it's like, yeah, I'm like Kanye. Well, But it's like Kanye – I wouldn't say he's someone who isn't self-conscious at all, but he's able to – bite down and plow through and he also mm-hmm. has an incredible he's a set of incredible talents that james does not have uh yeah. but yeah it's yeah it is you're right it is hard not to feel bad for him i think a lot of people have been in that especially when you're like 21 or 22 just a kind of a fucking awful age to be because i i mean i can only speak for myself but i just i was not good at anything and you just want to be that way. You you wish you were like Jax. You wish you could be like, yeah, fucking whatever. Yeah. If Who only. cares? I was right. You wish you could do it. <laughs> Jax has just been that way from day one. Yeah. Yeah. You either. You're, unashamed. You're born able to do that or you're not. And it just, you know, you, if people have kids, they hope that they're like compassionate and resilient and uh, intelligent people. But if they're not any of those things, you would hope that they have the thing where they never get embarrassed. That's the second best thing they could have. Yeah. They're either like great, amazing people or they're jacks. Yeah. And that's will fine. Them well, yeah. But he is like I, – I, I did always laugh at the thing with uh, him, with uh, James, where it was like his life for a few episodes uh, – was utterly destroyed by the prospect of his parents getting separated, which, okay, I'm sorry if this comes off as uh, uh, um, heartless, but I think that's, to be 22 or 23 and for that to just devastate you that much is a little like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's, you're searching for an excuse for why you are a certain way at, at some point. Or there are like really like underlying issues that are getting like brought up by this that need to be dealt with that are like more that are go deeper than just like, oh, my parents are breaking up. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You're right. 
Probably <laughs> like, something deeper. You could use like a healthy dose of therapy, James Kennedy. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Stasi has bought herself a holiday, National OOTD Day, and she's getting ready for her big part, like holiday party. And at first, like when I, I didn't know that you could just like buy a holiday. Did you know that? I had no idea, but it it actually makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah. you see a lot of bullshit, uh, hey, it's hot dog day or whatever, and it's like, oh, what a surprise, the hot dog council paid for it, and no no one's stopping you from doing it. It's the new buying a star, I think. Totally. Because you have to pay for your star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which I didn't know until I moved out here. It costs like $30,000. That's why Donald Trump did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it, it is... Outfit of the day day is so interesting to me because it's like, well, if you're just outfit of the day, that's something you do. If you do that, you do that every day, right? Yeah, I think so. So why is it, what's the special day for? It makes no sense. I feel like a Jehovah's Witness with this. It's like, why celebrate Christmas if we're celebrating Christ every day, you know? I have like my own set of issues with National Outfit of the Day Day. But like when you start to break it down like that, it really, all the logic just completely falls apart. (laughs) It it, it has no internal consistency. It doesn't, it doesn't. Good for her though. She did it. I love Stassi like explaining her process. She's like, God, you know, like I really had to like work so hard on this. Like I had to Google how to like buy a holiday and then like call these people and like buy it. And you can tell for her that that was like actually like hard work to like do all that stuff. But like I want to buy a day and make it National Vanderpump Rules Day. I'm actually surprised that doesn't exist. I know. Like, I, I mean, you like could get it on the ground floor of this. I got to just get in now. Yeah. And like, that would be really major if I like started that out from under them. Well, it's, you know, it's it, it's it's like they said about the gold rush. Uh, you didn't make money uh, selling gold. You made money selling shovels. Mm, Same yeah. thing. Yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A new quarter brings new goals, but what about your skincare goals? Small, easy changes in your routine can have amazing results, and your secret weapon should be Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Dime didn't sacrifice performance just to make it clean, either. And when I say clean, Dime is 100% transparent about every single ingredient, so you can use their products daily with confidence. 
I have been using Dime Beauty's TBT cream and their Dewy Daily Cream. TBT cream is a retinol alternative that I put on at night before I go to bed. And it's actually been making my skin look glowy and snatched, if I do say so myself. I've noticed that. And I think our listeners have noticed, too, because I've been picking up on a bunch of TikTok comments that have been like, you're glowing recently. So hats off to Dime. No one has time to remember the order of a 10-step skincare routine. The work system from Dime Beauty has everything you need in one powerful package. It includes a gentle cleanser, a toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. Plus, my favorite, Dime's TBT cream is finally back in stock. Check that out while you're there. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally all five stars. This year, love your skin again. Go to DimeBeautyCO.com now and unlock your discount. That's DimeBeautyCO.com. The weather is getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm trying to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I'm planning a trip to Italy this summer, and I'm trying to stock up on lots of linen wear for the hot Italian days. And Quince is a great option for linen dresses, pants, their styles are really comparable with other brands that cost two to three times more. So I'm perusing Quince and having myself a little bit of a shopping spree. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash sexy unique for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sexy unique to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash sexy unique. Bo is also getting ready for National OOTD Day parties. And his style, like, it's just so bad every time I see him. <laughs> Terrible. It hurts me. Yeah. It's just like, and I, I kind of love their relationship. Like, I think that they're a good match for each other, Bo and Stassi. But the fa- his fashion is problematic. It is. Yeah. You know, it, it's sometimes... Sometimes for what I I don't know what makes Stassi tick, but whatever does, it seems to match well with Bo, which is I'm very happy for them. I'm incredibly, she seems legitimately incredible. I mean, I forget, I think it's early. Yeah, she cries talking about him. It's very nice, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, he wears. He wears overalls, and Stasi says, Outfit of the day is about expressing yourself, being you, being comfortable, but not that. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that's like, still. if I ever wanted to explain the character of Stasi to people, which, you know, I don't fully understand. I, don't, I think very few people do. I'm definitely not one of them. 
I would show them that clip. What's also shocking is that once we get into the party of and like national outfit of the day day is like underway and people are hashtagging their outfits of the day, you start to see all like a montage of everyone's outfits and everyone's outfits are hideous. They look terrible. (laughs) Like the whole cast of Vanderpump Rules shows up to the outfit of the day party wearing the most horrific outfits imaginable. Then all the people that they drummed up on Instagram, there was like one girl with like see-through purple pants and like underwear doing the splits. And I was just like, what is this? Like, this is just a day to wear the ugliest possible clothes you can muster up out of your closet and hashtag them. And everyone gets that privilege except for Bo. Yeah. Like what is different about Bo? What's so much worse about what he's wearing than anyone else? Like, what Tom Sandoval was wearing was insane. Tom was wearing like a kimono. He was wearing a kimono and like a fucking ride-in from Mortal Kombat hat. It was <laughs> insane. It was the most insane. Like if I if someone I knew wore that, I'd be like, "Are you fuck? Are you okay?" I'm used to Tom doing shit like that. But yeah, yeah. it's what the fuck. Tom but, Schwartz's was wearing did you see his shirt which was <laughs> it was like a blazer like a short sleeved blazer or something like that like it was so confusing it looked like something Tony Soprano's dad would wear it's so weird Soprano yeah for sure <laughs> I mean here's so there's a thing in in Iran where they don't wear ties right like their mm-hmm. their elected officials don't wear ties because a tie is associated with Western imperialism, they say. And I can't help – is there a similar thing going on with just massive pants for women in the world of Vanderpump rules? It seems to be the dominating style, and you just – you saw it in a big way on Africa the Day Day. There's just the most pants you – just in terms of volume, not amount, but volume of pants you have ever seen in one room probably. Yeah, just like a wide-legged pant. It, I don't I don't get it. Why is it I don't get why it's I know that it's a style but it's just like everyone you no one would be like oh everyone's everyone else is going to be wearing huge pants and outfit of the day day maybe no they just they all love to do it. It they seems comfortable a, a, good for them. A, a long huge pant and then like a crop top of some sort or like a tight form fitting top. That's the uniform. Yeah, that's a uniform. Ariana's wearing like glitter, just like inexplicably covered in glitter throughout most of this episode. And like Sheena also was wearing a kimono. She was kind of on the more understated side of outfit of the day day, which is saying a lot because she's serving that one look in her confessional that's like her wet hair and then like sexy secretary dress that is like shaking me to my core every time. She uh, she usually makes incredibly puzzling choices, but there in that room, it was like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, everything like evened out, and Sheena was the one person that dressed like kind of okay on outfit of the day day. Billy Lee though was also dressed well, I thought, and she says prior to the outfit of the day party, she says she's holding court at Sir, and she's all about good vibes, and then she's very miffed when Katie and Kristen come to sir to like voluntarily eat brunch there yeah no the good vibes dissipated incredibly quickly fast she said Kristen's energy smells like dog shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean which like she's not necessarily wrong yeah she's got it it was like she's got it you are hostile 
Well, yeah, no, that just look. That just shows there was never a there was never an attempt at good vibes. No. <laughs> uh, Yes, that whole thing, that whole thing with uh, Billy and everyone else, it was, again, I think we would have benefited from more context if the uh, uh, stars of the show uh, had less control over their portrayal. I feel like we're missing a step there. Yeah. Because I don't think it was entirely the girls' night out there. I don't think it was, it was a little bit of that, but I think there was something we missed. It seemed to me like there was something. something Yeah, because it was like. The situation escalated from zero to 60 from, for seemingly no reason. Yeah, there was definitely a missing puzzle piece there. I would pay for Vanderpump Premium. I know. I'm like, what is it going to cost? Like, I will pay whatever it is. Billy Lee, also, I just, like, loved her Palo Santo moment where she was, like, getting extremely spiritual, like, willing Kristen away from her. Because that's an element of the show we haven't really gotten to experience yet is, like just like mysticism yeah yeah i have wondered who is the most likely to get into kabbalah out of anyone into kabbalah yeah out of the entire cast i feel like Kristen could get there i feel like i can see it yeah that's probably the but yeah is like cracking somewhat like especially after last the last episode like I thought for so long, like, Kristen had kind of come a long way out of the whole cast, and she was, like, a real survivor, and, like, I respected the journey she'd been on from just getting raked over the coals, like, season two and three, to then, like, rebuilding her life and, like, having this t-shirt line and whatnot, but then... Last week's episode, I realized that Kristen is the same bitch she's always been. New year, new me. Yeah. (laughs) No, like, it's just, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing ever changes. Change. Nothing. She hates Stassi still with the same sort of like undermining hatred that she had for her in season one. Like she, the dynamics are all the same. She just managed to kind of hide whatever was going on from us. I think because she has her boyfriends like mostly kept off camera. So not having a glimpse into Kristen's like personal like sexual relationships really shields her from a lot of like viewer judgment. But I was like, I felt tricked. I don't. Yeah. I feel like this is, this is the season of a million false leads and empty spaces that we have to deduce. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a lot more powers of deduction that I ever thought I would have to put into the show, but I'm doing it anyway. Oh yeah. I'm like, well, I'm here for it, but I don't love it. Brittany says that Brittany is really nervous. Okay. This is another like power of deduction moment. Cause I'm like, what the fuck is Brittany like flipping out about? Like she's so upset and like goes off in this episode, which I think there's like more happening than what meets the eye. But she, it starts out with her saying that she hates that she had words with Lisa and the thought of Lisa being like, mad at her makes her feel like she's gonna poop out her stomach yes this this was yeah there is i mean Brittany. what does that mean even i it's it you know it seems like one of those sort of season one season two stassi phrases the stassi threats but just done by too nice of a person to do that it's like a like, Kentucky. It's her Kentucky thing. Coming it might up. be. It yeah. might be. I just, yeah, it, it, that one, I had to chew on that one for a second. 
I still don't think I have it. Lala reveals to the girls that she is going to go into the studio with James and Katie immediately like gets very upset. And she's like, what happened to everyone getting together to plan girls night? And then Kristen jumps in and then Lala decides that she's not going to go to the stew after all. And I was just like, Lala, you're being played. Lala is, I don't, that's, I guess we have to add a fourth character to someone who has the Trump characteristics who could, you, you make a full Trump out of these characters. Lala's in there. Mm-hmm. She's just, you know, I would like to, I would like to know her, her sign. I would like to know if she's a fellow Gemini. Cause she I feel not, like, do you know that there's an, I don't think that there are, are you a Gemini too? I am. Oh, same. So I don't think that there are other Gemini cast members. Peter might be a Gemini. Actually, he might. Yeah, he might. He, he, but I think I he's hope. the only one. I don't know. She just has that thing where she can be very. You sway her, and she's just very strong in that direction. Yeah, and also from like following her social media and stuff, and like seeing everyone, like, like obviously she's with Rand. He mm-hmm. flies people around on his private jet, and she's like very tight with the cast now, and they all fly on the jet, like to go to Vegas and stuff. And I'm just like, would they all have been friends were it not for Lala's man's private jet? No, absolutely not. And the fact that Lala does not see that clearly, like, it's not like she has to stop being friends with them, but it's like, let's like call a spade a spade here. Like you're being, you're serving a purpose. Like this, everyone's getting something out of this relationship. This is not just like some organic friendship. I don't think... Are any of the friendships organic? I mean, maybe the two Toms, that's it. But The two Toms. And, like, I think Stassi and Katie's friendship okay, is yeah. weirdly organic. I was actually looking up Rand the other day, and I do not know how he aff- – looking at the movies he's produced, I do not know how he affords a private jet. I don't know. I don't know too much about movie producing, but holy shit, I guess he can just make a lot of money not even making a huge hit, right? incredible good good for rand (laughs) i get i think it's i don't know how it works either but like i know that after last week when lala was like driving his rolls royce some company tweeted out they were like does lala know daddy's rolls royce is rented like okay yeah that makes a ton of sense yeah i think it's like a lot of stuff like that i saw a picture of rand and lala at the red carpet and rand was wearing the you know 50 year old fighting the clock look Mm-hmm. This is this is the most this is the most tragic uh, West Hollywood look. It's the guy, you know, with a few million dollars, but he's he can't fight. He can't fight that he's fifty, and he's wearing like a he's wearing like a fitted button up shirt, selvage jeans, and Jordans. Yeah. And it's like that's just you hate to see that. You absolutely hate to see that. And I can see Rand. Not having enough money to own a private jet, but maybe spending 30K a pop to charter one to and from Vegas. And that is, and renting a Rolls Royce and like, yep. Yeah. Like, I think Vegas is one of the cheapest places that you can like charter a private jet from LA. It's like that and Palm Springs are probably, if you're making like a few million a year, relatively affordable. How much? Okay. So I could be overestimating it. I mean, I know it's, like 30k to charter one for some destinations but yeah yeah LA, LA to Vegas is probably a lot cheaper 
Yeah, because it's really only like a 45-minute flight or something like that. Yeah. So you're not having to like gas up the jet like for like a cross-country mission. Still, it shouldn't be a regular habit. I mean, none of this should be. (laughs) It's just, yeah, I feel like Rand is fighting the clock very, very hard, but you're never, you can never beat the clock ever. Never. It's very tragic. Meanwhile, at Outfit of the Day Day, Stassi is like kind of sidebarring with Bo and she goes, it's so weird that all these people are out there taking pictures of their outfits. And I was like, internally, I was like, is it that weird? Like, that's what people do. Like, on social media and everywhere. Yeah, that's how people are familiar with this concept. <laughs> that's how you can write a book and make a holiday. <laughs> yeah. Basking the glory of like launching outfit of the day day and like so shocked that it's like resonated with a larger community. And I'm like, aim higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Brittany is very codependent and that like becomes very clear when she kind of like sidebars with Lisa and tries to like write the wrong of like speaking up for herself. Like she's like, I'm sorry I spoke my mind and like, I don't want you to be mad at me and like all this stuff. Brittany. I don't know. I feel like part of it is like she is in, in enmeshed in this insane world. But again, we're in a, Nine Inch Nails closer video slide missing, scene missing, scene missing, scene missing over and over and over again. I feel like there sometimes you get to a scene and Brittany's like spooked in a way. Yeah, she's very spooked. What's yeah something? Yeah, I would like to know what put her on edge here. She could just generally be on edge because James, but there's something we're missing. I know it. I just know it. I fucking know it. Yeah, there's something there really is like and you she is definitely spooked like and also she's like pointing her finger like I didn't catch this until my second time around, but she's like pointing her finger in Lisa's face. And then Lisa's like very sternly is like, don't point your finger in my face right now. Yeah, it's like kind of a shocking and sobering moment. Sometimes Lisa, I notice this, will again it's like training dogs it's like training her very small dogs assert who the alpha is that was that moment for sure then we cut to britney's like one-on-one talking heads moment and her hair like this whole disco kind of like donna summer lion's mane like hair look was truly jarring to me britney makes some odd stylistic choices yeah, I mean, she uh, always has, but this one was like, wow. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know how she picked that one. I don't know. I don't know the most about women's uh, hairstyles, but it was. I mean, you got to give it to her. You got to give it to her in this respect. You're not going to see that anywhere else. No, around her, she's making a splash. Yeah, yeah. You're just not going to see that at all. And she says that. Now that she and Jax are engaged, he's making her look bad as though, like, he hasn't always just made her look bad. Right. That was, I, I was, for, that was one of those things that got under my rate where it was like the first time I hear it, I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. It's like, but the, yeah, the more you look at it, you're like, what, why would it be different? Because it's like, okay, if Jax does something awful while they're just dating, Jax does everything he does, and it's just, oh, that's uh, Brittany's boyfriend. 
what special property does being engaged? It's she's definitely from a different world than they are. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, this is like this kind of southern conservative part of yeah, like truly believes that everything. Once you have like a ring on your finger, like that changes everything, and it's just like we don't live in that kind of world anymore. Like it truly is more meaningless than ever before. Yeah, it completely. I mean, especially on that show and that yeah. world. But it's there. You you saw it. I mean, the engagement was just like for all the cast members. It's just it's another secret. It's another event where they can. Tom Schwartz can take uh, six half shots. It's just, it's everything else. But for her, it's every it's completely. And of course, it's life life upending. Of course, it changes your life. But it changes the characteristic of all her interactions when it clearly does that for no one else for everyone else it means business as usual it's just someday in the next year they're all going to take 12 half shots yeah they're going to have to like go to kentucky for like a weekend and then they'll be able to like get back to their regularly scheduled programming but like britney i think she just truly believes and i think she thought that everyone would get on board with her journey once there was like a proposal and she's very miffed that like people are questioning it. And I'm like, how can you honestly be that like dumb in a way? I mean, I think it's like, she really needs therapy. I just am like, Brittany, honey, like what is going on? I don't know. I, on one hand you want her to be, inured from the bizarre social dynamics and awful world that she is in uh but on the other hand you don't want her to lose her character she is an innocent compared to everyone else i don't but i just i don't know what you can do i don't know what you can do in that i don't know either and i think the point where because like later on in the episode when she starts to flip out for no reason and she's like screaming at everyone and like jumping up and down and there's a point where she's in the hallway and she's like i'm not going to do this shit with my relationship again not doing it and i feel like she was talking to producers or whoever was like behind the camera i don't think she was talking to like sheena in that moment it's almost lynchian at this point I want to know who the characters are talking to and why, because I don't believe they're talking to who you're tell who you're telling me they're talking to, or I don't believe that they're uh, managing the situation you say they are. Yeah. I I feel like this is this is going to be like Lynch's Dune, where I have to pay for a recut. <laughs> Fine, I'll do it. I'll I already bought this fucking season because I don't have cable. I'll pay I'll pay fifty dollars for the uncut season. Just give me all this context I'm missing. Yeah, like they need to release like a supplementary season. I just yeah maybe that's the, maybe that's a scam. I mean, good play if it, people would buy it if oh, they did that because totally people are it. catching on. They're gonna fuck yeah. yeah. They'll get my money if they do that. This is like a fever dream at this point where like nothing is really adding up. James is at this studio called the Spot, and the Spot has a really amazing uh, kind of like descriptive element under their logo it says the spot where creatives can be creative so is that like a we work type i have <laughs> like no so cow we work like that just mom. that is it's it just like a bunch of studio. wall is it a work studio or is it like a but i i i can see that it's just like a bunch of walls that like instagram influencers can take pictures in front of right 
or, and like, I guess, record music if they want. I'm like, so where creatives can be creative is so perfectly like vague, but also like very Vanderpumpian. And it's per, yeah, it's it's one of the most contentless fragments of war- sentences I've ever heard. <laughs> that means nothing. I mean, all those like co-working and like co-creative whatever spaces they benefit from having just a completely nonsense uh, motto. So, oh, what's this about? You'll look it up and you'll become enthralled by their design or whatever. But that is even that's even less than they usually give you. God, that means that's pointless. Yeah, <laughs> they just said something pointless. pointless. <laughs> and James is paying out of pocket for his studio time, and I think it was really rude of Lala to flake on this. Yeah, I mean, but I would probably do the same thing. Honestly, I mean. Being in the studio with James, it just sounds like one of those things you passively agree to that becomes more horrifying the more real it gets. Like it's just easier to agree in the moment and then you just need to flake to like protect yourself. Yeah. Well, because you can't – I mean are you going to say no to James when he asks you? No, yeah. I guess not. But I just like want them to record music together again. My my motivation for them getting in the studio is just purely selfish. I'm sympathetic to Lala in that, yeah, that's an impossible thing to say no to. Not because it's so attractive, but it's just like you don't say no to someone like that right when they ask you. But, yeah, what is your play besides say yes and uh, renege on it? That's it. That's <laughs> completely it. That's the only play. There are very yes few things then- in life that, that work that, that – are unambiguously you do that for but that's one of them yeah you send tom sandoval in your place to just like play <laughs> yeah. his trumpet yeah tom is tom and his trumpet are my proxy i live for james having to like pretend like he enjoys sandoval's like trumpet playing and like that it's gonna be like fun and chill to like work that into his music that's the performance of the year yeah, him being into Sandoval's trumpet—that is, the, that's, the, that's Oscar or Emmys actually, twenty twenty. That's it. That's the clip. That, that is, I mean, you could just that another another instance of this show being the human condition. The look on James's face, looking at the trumpet. That is, that's <laughs> just getting through life. It is. It's all of us in our struggle day to day. <laughs> yeah. That should be the new cover for Carl of Nausgaard's My Struggle for the new reprint. It should oh be yes. <laughs> James Kennedy looking at the trumpet. If only. Um, and then Sandoval sitting down like once it's all said and done and James is like, I don't know, copying it to like a USB drive or whatever the fuck you do once you're done in the studio. And Sandoval's like, don't make it sound synthetic. Like, as if he knows, like, how to do any of this himself. It was, like, that was also one of my favorite parts. Yeah, that was, and it's also, like, I, I had a lot of questions for that. Like, first of all, like, you can't make this type of music not sound th- synthetic. That's kind of the point of it. And also, like, what, yeah, does he EDM. want, does, yeah, it's easy, yeah, and does he want it, like, on flack? Is Tom, like, an audio nerd now? I don't get it yet. <laughs> It's one of those things people say where you just feel like they're trying to fill a beat that's lingering after a conversation. Just to letting people know. It's one of those things you say where you're just letting people know that you heard what they said or did and you're trying to show that you can 
match input with output. Mm-hmm. Just pointless. <laughs> just a pointless <laughs> thing. To say. How could you take don't make it sound synthetic and be like, ah, yeah, I'm going to execute totally. an action based on that? Hey, this is what happens at the spot. You know, it's just creatives being creative. <laughs> that is, that, okay, you know what? It comes full circle. That is creatives being creatives. Recording a tru- an EDM track with a trumpet and then telling someone not to make it synthetic while it's on the USB drive. That's yeah. the most creative being creative shit, you know, you can do. Ever. Yeah. And like what I love about the spot and like just this type of thing is like there's so many. This is like a nightmare LA moment, right? Like that just people gather at some place called the spot and then like make their horrific art and then just like spitball over it and feel like really accomplished about it at the end of the day yeah and then the world just never sees it the world never sees it or the few people that are are exposed to it are just like saddened and like never the same and like the only kind of good thing that can come out of it is like kind of the secondhand like getting to see it from a side of like having secondhand embarrassment on someone's behalf but like this kind of shit is constantly percolating in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's, it, it's terrifying. Los Angeles is... Los Angeles is the spot. And we're all just like creatives being creative, but like on various levels. That's what's amazing to me is like it's an entire city. Well, like a bunch of suburbs that are connected. All everyone waking up huge portion of the population waking up every day putting everything into something that there's a high likelihood that the most exposure it ever sees is something a piece of art that people make fun of <laughs> it's terrifying yeah it's te- but yet they go on it's incredible it's rolling that boulder up a hill and that is creative as being creative again creative being creative I, it makes sense to me now it's a genius motto i fucking get it it is. Maybe the spot <laughs> it is the jump off. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Genius no, everywhere. I believe in their mission now. Genius is everywhere. <laughs> so back at Katie's, all the girls are gathering to like get girls night underway. And Lala decides that she's going to like have everyone take a picture of her tits for the flyer. And then, which is like fine and whatever. Like we've all seen Nala's boobs before, but she has this one, like there was one small sound bite where she was like taking her shirt off and she goes, this is like Craigslist. And I was like, wait, what is that in reference to? Okay. Yeah, no, I would, I think this may be one of those things. If we're lucky, we get, we get to revisit it on the reunion episode at the end of the season. You know, well, we do know that, I don't know. Maybe Lala was on back pages or something. I don't know. Of course, I offer you know zero judgment for that, but I, I'm I'm curious. It's her business whether she says it or not. But it was, yes, it stuck out at me. Yeah, it was something I had to rewind that too. The Craigslist yes. comment. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, I was just very like, wait, what? Like, can we explore that a little bit more? It's like the faith thing with the hospice lady where it's like, why are we not talking about this? Like, why are we diverting away from the most important issues? <laughs> Brittany starts flipping out and she just asks the universe, like, when are people going to believe we are happy? And she's really on the brim and she's like losing her shit. That's another instance of like, I believe that we missed something because yeah. that just went 
she actually did not get that much pushback, you know, saying, you know, her and Jax. That went smoother than I thought it would of her announcing that her and Jax are engaged, right? That you would figure, okay, people, there's going to be more objections. But people more or less seemed pretty excited, pretty happy for them. Yeah, they got I want, yeah, did something happen? Did someone get to her? Did, yeah, I don't know. I feel like either there's a poor editing job or there's just something that isn't in there for some reason. But yeah, she really, something spooked her again. Then we get to what is maybe one of the wildest scenes of a reality show that I've seen in like recent years, which didn't stick out to me as like that insane. But the more and more I think about it, it's like, it's just utterly bonkers which is lala and sheena's acting coach session that was okay i we i first thing i think first thing everyone remembers from that is uh when sheena says you know i think i can still play high school yeah I feel like I can still play college. And then it cuts. She says she's dusting off her acting chops. And then she's gotten back with her old manager. And it cuts to a like a scene with her old manager, Richie. And there's some blonde with like a small dog sitting next to him. Like that, I guess, I don't think is like in charge of managing Sheena's acting career. But is just like there as an accessory and Sheena says, I feel like I could still play college. And Richie goes, we're also going to go after young mom roles. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. That entire scene. Well, they kind of sold me during that scene on Sheena as an actor a little bit. <laughs> the orgasm specifically sold The you. orgasm specifically. But before that, when she's just, they're just doing their lines, because it's like, okay, do you remember the guy, the guy who plays AJ in The Sopranos, Robert Eiler? Uh-huh. One of the greatest casting choices on TV in history. Because there are some people you talk to in your life who just seem like bad actors, right? Mm-hmm. There's like, that's a type of dull affect that someone just seems like they're poorly reading lines. It's a real type of person. And I think Sheena could be great at that. I mean, it actually sold me a little bit for a very specific type of character. Wow. Okay. So it definitely had the opposite effect on me. Um, <laughs> I think most people, I may be the only one who thought that. You're really optimistic about Sheena's acting career, and I love that for I'm you. I'm a typical American. I'm very, very optimistic. <laughs> um, she, I love this like improv scene where like Lala feels some sense of like superiority over Sheena, where <laughs> yeah. in reality, like they both did a really shitty job. <laughs> Lala's like, yeah, Lala was like, she was acting, she was acting like, it was yeah. It was like fuck. It was Robert Downey Jr. in uh, Tropic Thunder, yeah. talking to Ben Stiller. It was like that level of like, all right, let me show you how it's done. And they're just they're just both, just completely nothing more than just re like just regurgitating those lines. Just nothing. <laughs> just nothing. Like just the most like basic like unremarkable like dialogue that they're coming up with but then shannon the acting coach decides to give them the challenge of having an orgasm and sheena reveals a she's never had an orgasm until last year when she had one which is she had revealed that on her podcast and i had like listened to it 
maybe like a month or so ago and I was chilled to the bone then and I'm chilled to the bone just even being reminded of it. At age 32, her for three, Yeah. Like she, because she also sells herself as like this highly sexual person. And, and LGBT icon. Yeah. And <laughs> yet she's been fucking for all these years and never achieving climax. It's just like, it's really dark to me. That was, I wish there could be a Kinsey study of the cast. Yeah. I would, love I would to like know to know if that's falls. a common thing. Yeah. Maybe it's unusual for, I, that was a lot to take in. That was a lot to take in with the rest of that scene, too. And Sheena said on her podcast that she never masturbates. She just doesn't do it. Okay, I did not. Yeah. So that's Holy shit. added layer to this, like, wild puzzle. That's... Holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, so just think about that for, like, the rest of your week and, like, get back to me. Because I truly, I don't know what to make of it, really, either. Like, we're all just living in this world where Sheena pulls the rug out from under us continually. We've never needed a Kinsey study more, my fucking God. Yeah, we need to, like, raise the money and get it happening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then they proceed. Sheena and Lala both have fake orgasms on screen. And after they're both done, Shannon goes, see, that wasn't so bad, which is like the creepiest thing to say to someone after you've like issued them this like acting challenge, which also is like, I've taken acting classes, like living in LA, I have a lot of friends that have taken acting classes. Like, no one asks you to have an orgasm in an acting class. Like, that's just, like, not a challenge. Okay, okay, good. I was I was very confused that that was a common thing. No, that's I had no 100% idea. not a common thing. Like, I've never heard of such a thing. That never. makes this even more insane. It's insane. So there was just no point. I mean, even... If that was a thing, and even if they still did that scene, there's no point in revealing that information. You shouldn't. But the fact that it's not, you don't do that. No, you don't do that. That's not like, you could just do, it would be less creepy if like Sheena and Lala were just hanging out and they decided to have like a funny, like, they were both like, let's fake an orgasm right now. And they just did it. But the fact that they're instructed by someone who's billing herself as like an acting professional, like coach, who's like urging them to do this. And then they're positing it as though like, this is something that frequently happens in this environment. Like at first it didn't freak me out. And then I like got stoned last night and I just kept thinking about it and coming back to it. And I was like, this is insane. What a fucking bizarre event. It's not okay. This is not okay at all. (laughs) (laughs) We'll never be okay again. Um, Lala says like she, she felt like she just came emotionally, and I, why? I don't know. I'm like that's called you feel like lingering shame of being forced to do something that you shouldn't have ever had to do in the first place. Also, I mean, is that just her? Is that just her flexing her acting more? Like I'm such a good actor, I pretty much came. Is that what that is? Like. She, I mean, maybe she's she really believes in herself as an actor, so possibly. 
Yeah, I think that she does, like, I think this is another moment, like, where Lala believes that she is, like, Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, the Daniel Day-Lewis of the fake orgasm scene. Okay, so then we get to Girls' Night, which looks like a pretty, like, I mean, sir, it is really crowded. It's a big success. I remember when this was all going down in West Hollywood and people were really excited about it. But it also doesn't look as fun as, like, the See You Next Tuesday James Kennedy parties. No, I mean, for all the things going against James, his events seem pretty fun. He really he really gets he really gets a certain type of energy going. Maybe he is, you know, like Kanye. There's a frenetic frenetic crowd participation in See You Next Tuesday that this <laughs> yeah. did not have. No, this had more just like people standing around kind of filming and then it also looked like it was impossible to get a drink there. Like that, that was just like yeah. an option if you were. Well, that is, that is kind of what I think of when I think of LA. I think of like just huge rooms of people standing and just no one's able to get a drink. That's my mental image of it. So it is like it's a classic hangout. <laughs> it's on brand. Um, <laughs> Katie reveals that they worked so hard to put Girls' Night together and they have like a sparkle bar and DJ Mickey who they cut to who is like no James Kennedy. Yeah, no, he didn't he might as well it might as well have just been a playlist. Yeah. He, he just doesn't bring the same energy. He doesn't bring the energy and I would argue to say that he even brings the energy down. Maybe they should have just gone with Spotify Discover Weekly or something. Yeah. And when <laughs> when Schwartz walks into Sir, he goes, "This is peak Sir." I mean, he's not totally wrong. He's not I don't know peak, but well, I guess and like if you're being derogatory, yes. If if it was like, but I feel like it's peak, sir, in the sense that like sir hasn't seen this kind of like action for years, like since they were probably like first working there. Because Katie says she's worked at sir for a decade, and I think oh it my was, god, like, I know. Take that in for a moment. There is just, you know, what this what we are lacking in. Ex, uh, exposition in this season we get this is david lynch we're getting these little <laughs> nuggets along the way that are like harrowing and really make you go wait hmm? what's is everything as it appears what's going on yeah it's uh it's not good um oh and so prior to this billy lee had tweeted out like while everyone was getting ready billy lee tweeted out that she was left out of all the party planning and then like hashtagged a bunch of tweets like trans is trans is beautiful and then i guess like the big problem that everyone's having with her is that she was favoriting tweets um of people that were calling all the other girls that worked at sir transphobic yes and so katie says that she's never been anything but compassionate and supportive for Billy Lee. And then to like uphold that image of being like such a compassionate supporter, it just cuts to last year at Pride when Billy Lee goes, I'm Billy Lee and I'm transgender. And then it, Katie's in the background. She goes, woo, Billy! As though like that is her <laughs> being like <laughs> an yeah, ally. Yeah. That's, you know, that's Stonewall. That's what Stonewall was. Yeah. Someone like, says I'm trans, and then woo! Yeah, and then a white girl with like fake eyelashes is like woo, yeah, <laughs> an, an icon. Yeah, 
girls night is happening billy lee is salty as fuck and then accuses everyone of having cis privilege and then everyone says like cis privilege over and over uh many people don't know what that means including lala (laughs) and i don't know what do you what do you think of like the billy lee situation i you know it's like i said i feel like we're missing something i feel like things exploded quite rapidly and i would like to i'd like the missing scene because i don't i just there's you know often usually in reality tv amenity does not correspond to the exact uh events we saw before it but there's something particularly something else something I feel like there's one key missing scene to this episode or maybe even this season that could roll everything into place that I am not getting. I need to see this unfold more. I feel like maybe we'll get more pieces of it. Episode eight. I just, mm, I don't know yet. I don't, I wish I, I'm not giving you great content by not giving you a definitive statement. But yeah, I'm I just, just I don't have enough information. Boat. Yeah, I'm looking for answers. Like I'm like, was a producer like behind the scenes, kind of poking and prodding Billy, trying to like inform her sense of injustice over this? Like it's not. That's how it feels. Yeah, because I don't doubt that like Billy Lee probably felt like left out, or there's definitely a sense that it's like her versus these other girls, especially after like that staff meeting scene where she basically, yeah. she brought up a good point, which is that Kristen does live to like come and like fuck everyone's lives up. And then like everyone kind of is against Billy Lee. But I'm like, when did this happen? Because we all went from being like best friends, like so supportive of Billy Lee's journey to then being like, fuck her for opening her mouth about this one thing. Right. And it's portrayed sort of as if she did that to start shit. They almost give her like a James Kennedy role in that. And it's like, I don't know about that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so either. And they're kind of trying to spin it that way on social media too and be like, this came out of nowhere, like blah, blah, blah. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're covering something up that's like more sinister than meets the eye. (sighs) This is another thing where we're going to have to wait till that fucking finale episode. So they get you. So (laughs) so they get you. Um, Kristen, I guess girls night is a real success. And Lisa brings up to Katie. She's like, would you want to do this every Tuesday, which they didn't end up doing every Tuesday. Like this happened one time, maybe one other time and then was just over and there was no more. See you next Tuesday or girls night. But Kristen is like dancing around during her like talking head and like celebrating the fact that she's, I guess, helped bring James down. It still is like very unclear, but like if I was Kristen, I would be really embarrassed about like that kind of behavior because it just is a bad look. Like her hatred for James is just not aging well. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is a metagame to being hated that I think James understands where you could sort of play the waiting game. And if someone hates you long enough, you just make them look insane or like a bad person. Mm-hmm. I think James is quite used to making people hate him and he understands this game very well. Yeah. She's just, yeah. Kristen, she's got to figure out a play here to get out of this. Did you hear the rumors like before the season started filming that Kristen was being demoted to like friend of the cast? 
I did not hear that. So that was like the big rumor was that Kristen was going to be demoted. And like it even, I think, got announced on some sort of like publication. And then I guess the whole cast or like all the girls kind of rallied around her and said, like, we won't we're going to we won't not film with Kristen and like made sure she was invited to every single outing and like uh filming session but like i feel like this is Kristen trying to like have some sort of relevancy like going back to the like takedown of james storyline but i'm just like it's not working for me anymore we need we need some decisive action in the next next three episodes yeah very badly I think the end of season six sort of portended badly for the action of this season, but yeah, we need we need the play of a lifetime in these next ninety minutes, very crucially. We very much do. Billy Lee has a one on one with Lisa and she's fully on one, but also kind of right. Like I don't think Billy Lee is totally in the wrong when she says like Katie gets to like whine and moan about like how James has called her fat like all the time. But then when Billy Lee brings up a point about maybe being left out for being trans, then everyone hops on her and says that she like is totally in the wrong. No. Yeah. 100% as a point. I mean that, that entire, this entire uh, group of people, it is, about leveraging your grievances interpersonally and some people are better at it than others. Some people are so good at it. In fact, that they can leverage grievances that are entirely their fault. Like Jax, Jax could do something like fuck faith. And then just, if anyone brings it up, he is the most downtrodden man on who walks the earth. Yeah. Uh, but Billy yeah, has a legitimate grievance and yeah, just crickets. When she she has a complete yeah no she's right what can you yeah. say she's totally fucking right no one yeah and like no one like it's just interesting to see everyone navigate this issue because it feels like this is like kind of a big issue and like Billy Lee is really the only like queer representation on the show aside from just like people trying to out James as being like bisexual or whatever and so- Chiana. Oh, yeah. And, well, uh, and like Ariana and Lala hooking up. Oh, and <laughs> Brittany oh, and my Kristen. Th- yeah. Lest we forget. But, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> all kind of like queer behavior is shrouded in like shame and secrecy on Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, it's very antiquated, actually. It's it, like, it is like, it's definitely a show in the closet. Yeah. And then to, like, parade the first, like, transgender character out like they did last season and make such a huge deal. And then the moment that she says anything, they're like, fuck off, Billy. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You just, like, fucking fashion. stupid bitch. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, what an asshole. This is an issue. Like, fuck off. Yeah. yeah I am, I'm waiting... I think okay if we're going if we're making uh, predictions here another season and a half for Billy and then we just she tells us everything and it's like holy shit yeah maybe it's one of those deals I thought definitely at the end of last season I was like they're keying Billy up to be like the villain of this season yeah and I could just feel it and then 
she would do a villain season and then get like her redemptive season and then everyone would be like yes honey and then but now even like the like she's it shouldn't be a villain in this specific way you know what i mean like if she's gonna be a villain it needs to be just like she's doing crazy shit like fucking people's boyfriends or like like fucking them over behind their back not like a villain i just don't it just doesn't gel with me like she's a villain because she tries to make everything about her being trans and like yeah psychotic behavior that is it's just like yeah we can do better than that yeah i yeah i just i feel yeah it's like they needed it's like a president with low approval rating starting a war (laughs) that's how it feels yeah. And then Billy utters like the best, I think it's been the best uh, sentence of the season so far, which is if she's going to pull her fat card, I'm going to pull my trans card. That yeah. is, holy <laughs> shit, yeah. That's how you negotiate right there. Donald Trump. That is, that's the fucking art of the deal. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing but respect for my president, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being my guest on this podcast. My absolute pleasure. It has my been I, oh, my absolute a true pleasure. Delight to like break things down in a way that I haven't really gotten to before. So I appreciate it. Same for me. I have been waiting for an opportunity to talk about Vanderpump Rules in long form. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. For anyone who wants to follow you on social media, can you tell everyone where they can find you? I'm at By Your Logic on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much, and that's all. Bye. Thank you for having me. See ya. I know I'm feeling, cause I know I know I'm feeling, cause I know I know. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.